1: Yes, it is, and welcome back. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be catching up with a few uh, folks on the economy and uh, on crime later in the show. The uh, rising crime rates later in the show, and we do know that the Jussie Smollett trial in Chicago, the jury has reached a verdict. We don't know what that verdict will be. I'm uh, wondering if the Chicago Mayor or police are uh, setting themselves up around the city in case of uh, any violence that comes from it. Let's hope there's obviously no violence, whatever the result, whatever the verdict. Uh, But it'll be interesting if Mayor Lightfoot does dispatch the police to protect parts of the city and who at that point the b l m movement will go after that will be an interesting thing, given mayor Lightfoot's um earlier affinities and standing with the b l m movement. Rick is in Phoenix. Hello, Rick.
2: Hello, my friend Seth. It's always a pleasure to talk to you.
1: well, thank you. It's a pleasure to hear and talk with you, sir. Hear from and talk with you, sir
2: sir. I appreciate you taking my call. Hey, you know, uh, no violence in Chicago is like a still day in West Texas. That's when the wind's blowing 40 miles an hour. I
1: hear you, sir. I hear you. (laughs) It's really really tragic what these bastions and these wonderful cities have become, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's awful.
2: Yeah, I'm, and, and we're sorry. getting used
1: to it that's that's what I you know it's one thing for them to become awful slowly and then fast slowly yeah. and then quickly I suppose but it's another thing altogether when we just it doesn't make a stir it doesn't move us we just get used yeah. to it I yeah. was I was at a I'll, you're in no rush here I hope no, I no, you'll have all no. the time you want Everyone I'm just I'm thinking
2: to you <laughs> I'm, thinking,
1: <laughs> I'm thinking out loud yeah I was at a uh, a holiday party last night and someone was talking, uh, you know, someone I think it would be fair to say is older than you and me, a little older than you and me, Mm -hmm. and you and I, a little older than you and I, and um, she was talking about some work she did years ago in Los Angeles and in passing she just kind of said, of course you can't go there now, and then she kept on. It was just in passing, of course you can't go there now. I think wow. people say that all the time about certain places.
3: Yeah. And yeah. you
1: know, you 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 take that phrase, of course you can't go there now. Right. And 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 that becomes the quickest set of words or the quickest phraseology you move on from, you spring from, you jump to the next point on when I think it should be the most important part of the sentence and statement. What wait, yep. what why why are there no go zones in America? Right. Who right. made it that way? What 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 made it that way?
2: Yeah. Well, and, and why? And, why
1: is it? And why? Why? Why do we just say it in passing without a without any pangs of
4: conscience?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think uh, Seth, this is all part and parcel of a of a, a related set of problems or problem. Uh, the way that the left has has uh, perverted our language to a large degree, and uh, the uh, uh, Ideas culturally that have developed that have diminished uh the love of America and the and the goodness of America and things like that all have worked together to create this kind of situation and it is so sad i mean these these once great cities or states or places uh have been diminished so much
1: David yeah. McCullough, you know the historian david yes. McCullough yes he McCullough. uh he testified before Congress in uh, the mid-2000s. What do we say? The mid-aughts? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and he was talking about the state of civic and history education in America. You can get it online. It's worth reading. It really is. And he makes one point in there that is inescapably um, inescapably troubling. He says, you can't love what you don't know. And he was talking about American history, right? You can't love what you don't know. Right. And we have so alienated ourselves from so many parts of this country in front of us and in its historical sense Mm -hmm. that it has become an unlovable place to too many people.
3: Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, sadly, that is the case. The view is uh, that... that America is not a light to the world, but a blight yeah, on the world. that's
1: exactly right.
2: Who said that? Your boss? William Bennett?
1: Was no, that? I will Somebody tell you. That. I Yeah, I'll tell it you is. who it was. It was a, a guy named Bruce Bauer, B-A-W-E-R.
3: Oh, yes. I'm familiar with that name. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's an interesting writer. He is yeah. a man formerly, and maybe still he might consider himself on the left, he wrote one of the first books um, defending. Hmm, how shall I put this? He wrote one of the first books uh, in the gay rights movement, the pro gay rights side of the in the gay rights movement. Let me okay. okay? He, so, okay. and then he fled America because he, uh, he thought that he couldn't handle it anymore, but not the oppression because he was gay. The oppression because he didn't feel he lived in a free country anymore. Isn't that interesting? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he has spent the rest of his career taking on radical Islam. Okay. Because he rightly in understands. he He, this man of the left, rightly understands what the real threat to liberty is. Yes. Yes. He understands that Ilan Omar would probably be one of the first people arrested if she were to get a teaching position in the West Bank or Gaza, Right. telling her students her views on, you know, other domestic or social issues. Right. He understands that point that she doesn't understand. Yeah. He understands that if you want to talk about the social and political domestic issues that, Appeal to progressives in America, the Ilan Omar's the squad, if you will. There's only one place in the Middle East where that's tolerated. Right. Okay. Right. He understood that, and yes. so and so he um, he was an early expatriate on the free speech issue.
2: Yeah. Wow. That's that's fascinating. That's
1: who
4: said it. Long answer to your question.
2: This, no, this is what I love about your show, uh, Seth, and it's been a great show today. But it is so. Uh, I appreciate so much the education uh, as well as the inspiration and, and all of that. And speaking of that, that leads me to uh, in our last conversation a couple of days ago, uh, your uh, uh, quintessential uh, etymological explanation um, sort of stirred in me uh, 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 ed- another etymological uh, question, and that is about uh, ideologies. Are ideologies thus because they derive from idiots, whereas ideologies derive (laughs)
1: from ideas? Depends on what side of the river you (laughs) you put the emphasis on. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. No, ideology is okay in an interesting way. No, 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 no. But seriously, ideology, isn't it interesting? Uh Ideology seems to be a relatively neutral term. Okay. And yet... An ideologue is not, right? <laughs> right, right. I think that's kind of fascinating.
2: Yes, it is. Well, I just, I just that'll take a little poke at you. What, what I'm really calling about, Seth, this your show today has been uh, so uh, important and, and essential, and it, it reminds me of, uh, you know, what is it that is at the root of this cultural disparity that they have you you've alluded to uh Ilan Omar and she can say things that are just absolutely outrageous and inflammatory but when somebody criticizes her they're the ones that are being violent yes and and um uh, uh, uh what's the congresswoman in in California uh, uh
1: oh he Waters
2: Waters. Maxine yeah, Maxine waters. waters yeah waters she says the most radical you yeah. know make people make those Trump followers feel like they're not welcome right. there anymore right. she says the most radical right. things, right. but when somebody says something uh, critical, they're criticized or if they different.
1: say march peaceably
2: yeah, right, exactly, exactly, and so I, i'm I'm wondering what is the root of that? Disparity. How let's let's, let's explore that?
1: that. Let's explore that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, let's pick it up on the other side. We'll uh, be right okay. back. There's a few songs. <laughs> this is one of them that don't easily lend themselves to the answer as to whether they're a love song or a breakup song. I have two others. We'll get to that later. let me finish with uh Rick here, or you know we never finish there are no there are, we never finish this is an it's, ongoing endless it's ongoing yeah yeah, this is well, an endless as, seminar exactly as
2: long as you're saving the world well, no as
1: long as long as we have lungs to breathe and all that we're going to be doing to this the be, rest yes. of, our, Amen. Now, all all <laughs> all the days that we have uh in in our in our favor there you um go. I was I, your question had me go back Rick um your question had me go back to a um an essay by Hannah Arendt called Ideolo- ideology and terror where she says oh. and she's i think writing in the early 60s at this point she says um when we think of the crisis of our century, now this is just post-World War II, we think of the 60s as very different from World War... Stop. Yeah. Think about that. We think of the 60s as very far apart and a different era in time from World War II, don't we? Yeah. Don't we We think of the Great Depression, World War II, uh, the 50s, and then the 60s? And we think of these as all very different times in America. Think yeah. about it this way. Um, the 60s were... Uh, Closer to World War II than uh, 9/11 is from us.
2: Yeah, interesting, isn't it? It's
1: really yeah. It, yeah we we probably yeah. err when we separate them so so fundamentally. Right. You know, in the 60s, people were still thinking about Russia, Soviet Union, McCarthy, Joe McCarthy, and Nazism a lot. A lot, (laughs) you know, that was on their minds a lot in the 60s. And and maybe we don't appreciate that so much. Um, But, you know, uh, okay. anyway, small point on the way to a larger one. The larger point she's making in the 60s, short, you know, post-World War II, she says, when we talk of the crisis of our century, the conclusion is unavoidable that the crisis is no mere threat from the outside, no mere result of some aggressive foreign policy of either Russia or Germany. And it will no more disappear with the fall of Soviet Russia than it will dis- than it disappeared with the fall of Nazi Germany. You know what she's getting wow. at here? She's what getting at insight. the ob- – yeah, isn't that powerful? She's getting yeah. at the obverse point I was making earlier, yes. which is – with our first caller the constitution of the united states certainly we know it's about this landmass we call the united states but it didn't have to be here there was nothing magical about the geography particularly right right It, it could have been written in manhattan it could have been written in uh richmond it could have been written in philadelphia it could have been written in london yeah there's nothing magic about that we were Fortunate that everything came about to have it where it was, and that we were born in the country under it. All that is true. Yes, but there's an idea there, right? There's an ideology underneath it. There's a there's 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 a set of um there's a set of political outcomes and baselines that that Constitution presupposes when it guarantees to the states a republican form of government. It's not neutral between. It didn't exist then, I don't suppose. But it's not neutral between fascism and democracy. It's not neutral between Marxism and democracy.
2: It tells you
1: we guarantee you a Republican form of government. It has ends and it has means based on one form of government. Our Constitution does.
2: Right, right.
1: So when Hannah Arendt is talking about the ideas that constitute the greatest threats to freedom— Or the ideas that constitute the greatest building blocks of totalitarianism, it's not just Russia, and it doesn't end with the defeat of Germany. This was the point a few of us, not enough, made in 1989.
2: Yes, yes.
1: Just because the Berlin Fall fell, came down, Marxism didn't end. And we could point to other countries, or we could point to our universities. Right. And in fact, yeah. one may say it grew stronger in some respects, because once upon a time, it wasn't that hard to call fascism and communism evil. Right? It really wasn't. Democrats back in the day were pretty – a lot of them were very anti-communist. Who was Joe McCarthy's legal assistant? Robert Kennedy.
2: Oh, yes. Right, right, right.
1: You know, Um Anyway, you get the, so, John John so F we, Kennedy was supposedly an anti, you know, a very tough yeah. anti-communist, at least his rhetoric was. I don't think we can yeah. challenge that. A lot of people thought he ended up being too wimpy about things, but you know, his his speeches were right, <laughs> you right. know. Yeah. His speeches were sufficiently anti-communist. Um so my point I guess is my point I guess is this, Rick. There's nothing so powerful as ideology. That's yeah. the point. Yeah,
2: that's right.
1: There is nothing so powerful. And here's the challenge we have always had in America. You can't fight something strong with a nullity, with, yes. with, with, a no, with nothingness. Right, right. And communism, as fascism, as Islamism, radical Islam, these are powerful things. These are powerful ideas that draw youth movements yeah. You know, definitely. Na- naturally, children want to join something powerful and strong and motivating. It may be too Manichaean, but, you know, there you have it before you. You could join the Boyca- Boy Scouts or you can join the Crips and the Bloods in, right, in, in, That's right. in, in one That's sense right. of the thing. Kids want certainly young boys want something strong to follow. Bin Laden was right about this. Yeah. People will rather follow a strong horse than a weak horse, of course. Yeah. And right. radical Islam is a strong horse. And Marxism is a strong horse, right. and fascism or Nazism is a strong force. Who's making the commitment and, and, and value and virtue of the Republican form of government an equally strong force in ideology? Zero. Yeah. Nobody. That's a nullity. You cannot fight a powerful full force with a nullity. Right. That's yep. our challenge.
2: That you, you you've made that that's very good. You've made that very clear. We we have forgotten uh, to a large degree our originating principles and let the wolf into the hen house.
1: Do you think do you think Xi of China or Putin have doubts about the greatness of their country?
2: Absolutely not.
1: Okay, that's absolutely our problem. Absolutely not. That's our yeah. problem. Yeah, they have no self doubt, right. and neither do their countrymen.
2: You're right. You know, your your guest uh, yesterday or day before from New Newsweek uh, was talking about that kind of principle and, and uh, excellent points that she was making about that. So, you know, Seth. Oh, bacha,
1: yeah, bacha. So, yes, you know, yes, you know, bacha. You know.
2: I, I just, I just, uh, I just continually pray that the Lord will give you strength and wisdom and spread your voice far and wide, brother.
1: Well, you're very kind. And yours, too, Rick. Yours, too. Bless you, sir. Thank you. We'll be right back. Well, that's another humdinger, Mrs. Robinson. Is that a love song or a breakup song? Yeah, it gets us into some complicated territory there, kind of like... I don't know, like uh, Lion Eyes by the Eagles or Kenny Rogers' Daytime Friends. These are songs on the edge. It's hard to say, right? Takes us into some dangerous territory. Let me go to Mike in Scottsdale. Hello, Mike.
3: Hi, Seth. Uh, yesterday. Oops.
1: Mike, Mike, you're breaking up. You want to try? Uh, what can we do? Oh, can, let me just, can you try let me, again? Let me just move. Yeah. Is that better? Yeah, we're getting there. Okay. Yeah.
3: Uh, yesterday, you were you asked a question, because uh, Hillary Clinton is, is doing a, a thing about resilience.
1: Yes, today, I and think. And you,
3: you asked, uh, has she ever done anything where she proves that she's resilient?
1: Yeah, did I say that? And, I, <laughs> I hate it when people yeah. quote back to me. My words. <laughs> I, don't, I, I may have changed my mind overnight, Mike. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Well, no, I These are I my principles. If you don't like them, I'll find other ones. Yeah. No. I'm kidding. I, I
3: I ever since she busted up all her uh, phones and her laptops yeah. and all that other stuff yeah. I've been waiting for the day that she goes to show I never in a million years thought I would be actually defending her okay but but I'm gonna take a stab sure at her. first of all is uh, resilience is holding up under adversity correct yeah. okay. sure so so I I propose that she has been uh, highly resilient, um, because of Bill Clinton's many many, uh, uh, detautes, yeah. women that he's many had daytime women, many daytime friends
1: and nighttime lovers. Yeah, and nighttime yeah. lovers. Yeah. Yes,
3: and, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> she's been very resilient. It was maybe the first one she was we fell apart, but uh, after that, she, she and, and for all of the wrong reasons, she was resilient uh, because she. What did she start that? Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was the the, the uh, to protect Bill Clinton.
1: Oh, the vast right wing conspiracy. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she, she actually had a had a thing. In, uh, it was a political thing that she was ahead of that was protecting him from all these. She, so, in a way, for all the wrong reasons, that that could be called resilience. <laughs> so, what yeah, do you think?
1: it probably can be. And I'm betting you, I'm not going to pay and take her course. And I wouldn't take her course if it were offered <laughs> to me by f- for free, Mike. But I'm betting you, uh, marital um, fidelity, <laughs> fidelity will not be a, a topic in in her in her lecture and course oh, on no, resilience. Oh of course not. Of yeah.
3: course not. But 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 you asked if she had. If you know, in a, a funny way, hurt.
1: in a funny way, maybe in a serious way. Um, sticking with. The guy standing by your man. Remember when she said, "I'm not going to be any tam. I'm not going to be like Tammy Wynette standing by your man." You mm-hmm. know that was that was her first lie. That's exactly what she became. Um,
3: well, kind of. She she really wasn't standing by her man, in my opinion. I, I think she was standing uh, by her uh, 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 wanting to become president, and, she, and that was the way she thought she could go about doing it. Otherwise, she would
1: have left him. In the end of the day, do you think, Mike, she would have been seen as a bigger hero if she left him? Yes. Or if she—I do, too. Yes, definitely. I do, too. So in a way, she did become Tammy Wynette. Yeah, I'm kind of. And and the only real resiliency is the only one she won't talk <clears throat> about. I mean, there's—this is a tough moral question, I and I, I have my own— Ideas about it, but I can't say that they're 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 right for everyone on 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 what you do mm-hmm. in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, my own ideas is is you leave someone infidelity is 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 cause for leaving. Uh, that's my own idea. Mm-hmm. And
3: well, it's, it's biblical.
1: Okay, <laughs> you're giving me a little backup here. Okay, good. All right, right. CF the Bible. Okay, yeah. right. right. CF God. Right. Okay, F. All F. Right. God. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, that's very funny. All right, um, I guess, I guess, my point is it's interesting. Because there are those who would argue, you know, maybe, maybe there are reasons to stay together beyond the infidelity. And, and I'm open to that argument. I, I've, I've been open to it. I know sincere and good and moral people who make that argument. Um, if there's, you know, a, a, a true reconciliation and a true, you know, whatever. But that's the funny thing. That's the only thing in her career that I know shows any resiliency on her part, yes, to be honest yes, with yes. you. And that's the one thing she won't talk about, obviously.
3: That, oh, exactly. Yeah. That was your point. That's
1: my point. Nicely <laughs> made. CF, God. <laughs> <C-F-God. Thank you. laughs> what did Lincoln say? I don't. I don't know if uh, if God's on my side, but I sure hope I'm on his. We'll be right back. That's another humdinger, Suspicious Minds. Is that a love song or a breakup song? We've got a few of those. It is a delight to welcome back to the show Abraham Hamadeh. He is a Republican running for the Office of Attorney General here in Arizona. Abeforag.com is his website, A-B-E-F-O-R-A-G. He spells out for Abeforag.com. He's a former prosecutor in the Maricopa Uh, County, uh, uh, in the Maricopa County Prosecutor's Office here. And um, we were corresponding about a couple of different things. One, obviously, the rising crime rates, uh, violent crime rates we've been talking about uh, for the past several days. Tucson made the list of one of the 12 cities, the top 12 cities of rising crime. But also a really interesting story you need to know about in Pima County, the forgotten county we sometimes call it. Abe, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Seth. Glad to be with you again. Thank you. Uh, Glad to have you. Let's start with this odd story out of uh, Pima County. For those that don't know, Pima County is Tucson and its environs, right?
4: Right. So right now what's going on in Pima County, um, earlier this week, actually, the the County Board of Supervisors released a memo stating that since there's a lot of vaccine refusals amongst their corrections officers and, and their jails, they're they're threatening to release inmates due to reduction in force. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're threatening to release inmates back onto the streets because their corrections officers are not getting vaccines. So, I mean, if you think about it on its face, it seems like an insane way to deal with um, some of the corrections officers, you know, using their, their right to refuse a vaccine. Um, so it's been really frightening to see. And they actually voted for it four to one um, just yesterday, I believe. But you know we were dealing with that in Phoenix just on uh, Tuesday. Actually, I was down at the state capitol. There's a big rally out there for the Phoenix uh, police and firefighters who are who are refusing the vaccine. And luckily, Phoenix has now uh, put a pause on their mandate as well.
1: One of the interesting things: do prisoners? You you you, you may not know, but do you, do you know if the prisoners in Pima County or, for that matter, Maricopa. Do, uh, is it a requirement that they be? Do they have a choice in being vaccinated or not? I'm presuming they don't have a choice.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but they have limited. Their they're right, they are somewhat limited. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm presuming. Uh, yeah, I was I was presuming they don't. So, thus, assuming that they're vaccinated, this is kind of an epistemological question as much as it is a, a, a legal one. Why in the heck? Why in the heck should they be? Re- would they be released into the general community if? If if we're worried about covid by the mere dint of the fact that they're vaccinated, but the officials, the correction officers are not. This makes zero sense. Zero sense.
4: Zero sense. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think this, you know, I think we have to start looking at what's going on with a lot of these county city governments. It's no longer about public health. It's really about control and power. Yeah. So. I think right now it's, it's really frightening. You know, for me, the, I'm so passionate about this issue because it's ultimately a determination of, you know, our bodies are so sacred. Do we have bodily autonomy and agency of our own bodies, or does the government own our own bodies? It really comes down to that. And we, we keep seeing, and a lot of us, you know, have been vaccinated. A lot of us were complying with, you know, the mass and, you know, we were doing what the government was telling us, but they keep pushing. I mean, it's, it's never ending. The booster's forever. It, it just keeps going on. It's never ending, and... Right now, we're seeing, you know, luckily in Phoenix, they put a pause on it, and I think just yesterday as well, a third uh, court of appeals just put a, a temporary stay on another federal lawsuit um, that was dealing with the um, federal contracting force. So there's been good pushback against it, and it's primarily that comes from the state attorneys general's offices across the country. That's, that's a really good positive development. But right now, dealing with our own county government, this is where we need to do more. I mean, I've been calling for the current attorney general to put... To, uh, to call for, a, to get a uh, file for an injunction actually um, to, to put a temporary pause on this from being implemented. Because right now they're threatening to start suspending or firing some of these corrections officers um, like five days before Christmas, I believe.
1: We're talking to Abraham Hamaday. He's a candidate for Attorney General here in the state of Arizona. Abe for AbeForAG.com is his website. So. Just so we understand the political nature of this clearly and in sharp relief, I think this is political blackmail, quite honestly, because if you have a prison population that vaccinated or not, vaccinated or not, you have a prison population that is by definition in a in a self-contained environment. Right. (laughs) They're not going into the community that where they can generally spread anything, including their own ill actions anymore. That's one of the points of incarceration, right? There's several points to incarceration, but one of them is to separate the uh, lawbreakers from the law-abiding, right? The civilians from the non-civilians, if you will. That's one of the okay. points of of, penna- of 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 the incarceration system, uh, to separate the safe from the unsafe. So they're, they're separated in a self-contained, closed facility, and regardless of vaccination status of that population – what the county is saying then or the county supervisors are saying then is the heck with the community. If the if the corrections officers aren't going to be aren't going to take the vaccination, the heck with the community. We're going to we're going to we're going to put these prisoners vaccinated or not, COVID positive or not, into the general community. This is a political blackmail.
4: Right. I mean, it makes zero sense. Um, you know, these inmates, you know, releasing them. Public health concerns, and then now they're creating a public safety concern. I mean, let me tell you, Tucson does not need any more criminals out on the streets than it already has. Mm-hmm. And right now, the Tucson area, the Pima County, I mean, it's overrun by you know leftists right now. You've got a leftist prosecutor down there, um, a sheriff who got elected. I mean, the board of supervisors, it's four to one um, Democratic. So, I mean, this entire it goes actually part of the statement. If you read the memo, it actually they say at the end. This goes in tandem with what they're already intending on doing, which is a reduction of their um, prison and inmate population, rather. So, you know, they're using this as an excuse, but they're also using this as a threat. um, But they ultimately do want to see a reduction in, uh, in inmates. This goes to the George Soros line of thinking of, you know, how do we reimagine the justice system, right?
1: There was a – it's typically, I guess, a Democrat's office down there at the Pima County Attorney's Office. And I don't know the new new person, I suppose. But there was a Democrat there who did have some common sense that once upon a time Barbara LaWall. I don't mean to put any comment on it. I just know that there there was once an old-school Democratic Party that understood these things a little bit better. Um, Abraham, help me out here a little bit because it goes to the – we're talking about Tucson. Tucson's now listed as one of the 12 cities with the high rising crime rates that are breaking records. What, what, is, is, what is the cause? What is the general cause uh, of, of this rising crime in, in America?
4: And I don't think we can pinpoint it on any you know, one uh, policy, but clearly you know defunding and demoralizing our police has got to contribute to this, um, as well as a lot of these radical leftists prosecutors have come into office where they claim that they want to reimagine policing and reimagine the criminal justice system. You know, the, the thing let, is... Let me hold you right
1: there. I I have to take a quick break. Can 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 you stay one more segment and finish that thought on the other side?
4: Absolutely, so. Great,
1: great, great, great. I'm Seth liebson He's Abraham Hamaday, candidate for attorney general, former prosecutor. You can learn more about him at abeforag.com, and for is spelled out F-O-R. I'm going to stop saying that. I'm just going to... Unless... Otherwise indicated, when I give out websites for – I'm assuming you know it's spelled out F-O-R. I think that will be our going forward policy. It's known as the Abe Hamada policy. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Abraham Hamada is our guest. He's a candidate – a Republican candidate for attorney general. Abe for AG.com this is his website <laughs> – Abraham, uh story came out the other day. Uh, Twelve U.S. cities have broken their annual homicide records. Uh, it's not a list you want to be part of or in, but Tucson made that list. It's surpassing, I guess, its 80th homicide, which is the highest in gosh knows how long, at least uh, 15 years, I'm thinking. but. Talk to. We were talking about general causes, and and you were just talking about this whole notion of reimagining the police. I'm fine with reimagining anything, I suppose. If you have a better idea, I don't know what the better idea is. Zero police, no police, less police. To me, is um, not a recipe for, but a definition of anarchy.
4: Right. I mean, it seems like we're living in Gotham City. You know, sometimes. Yep. sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's frightening. Even so, Tucson, you're right. They just surpassed their 81st homicide. Wow. That's the first time since 2008, actually. Okay. Um, but, you know, this is occurring all across the country. Even the city of Phoenix right now, I see what the radical left has done. They've actually demoralized the police. So that's why a lot of police officers are going into retirement, having a hard time recruiting. I mean, the police are, uh, Phoenix police are so short staffed at this time. Um, but you're seeing this crimes, not just with homicides, but you're seeing this with the, uh, the smash and grabs all across cities. You know, once they start um, advertising to criminals that we're not going to prosecute, you know, if you steal under a thousand dollars worth of, worth of items, right? I mean, this is the whole lawlessness that's going on. You see that across our southern border when they're not enforcing our own border security. Um, and it's, oh, that's it's a good very, point.
1: There's an attitude of lawlessness, right? That's that's it's, your it's, point. it's, a, com- yeah. it's a complete
4: yeah. attitude of lawlessness, and it's you know, the radical left. They thrive off chaos. And they never let a, um, an opportunity go to waste or, or a crisis go to waste. And what's happening right now? I mean, they're, they're taking over prosecutors' office like crazy. And I imagine George Soros is going to be dumping a ton of money, millions of dollars, into the Arizona attorney general race, you especially bet. in the general election. You bet. Um, but it's, it's absolutely frightening what's going on, and we've got to push back. I see.
1: Uh, yeah. Okay, let me just give the audience a quick update while we're speaking about crime and not crime. Uh, it looks like Jesse Smollett was found guilty uh, let's hope there's no violence in Chicago over that. Abraham Hamaday, thank you, sir, for all uh, your work and contribution to our community and your service to our nation. Appreciate you. Thank you, Seth. I appreciate it. You betcha. Godspeed. Again, com. if you want to learn more about him. Yeah, it looks like uh, the Smollett jury has come back. And uh, let's really, it'll be interesting, but let's really hope and pray for the city of Chicago the city of broad shoulders. Let's see if they're still broad enough to maintain not only uh, peace, but order, and even more importantly, a little common sense.
0: Be right back.